Hello, everyone. Welcome back for the second episode of The Booth. Uh, basically, we're going to talk about movies because we all just absolutely fucking love movies. Okay. Got one curse word out of the way. No more cursing the rest of the episode, guys. Uh, no promises. So, yeah, I'll do my best. So, yeah. So, basically, the way The Booth works is we're going to focus on one specific like genre or you know theme in movies and cinematography, things like that, and we're going to just discuss it. So, this week, we're talking about indie horror films. Yeah. Okay. So with me, I have, or I'm Xavier Jones, and with me, I have two co-hosts who are. My name is Drew Holland, and my name is Connor Radabaugh. Cool. Say your last name again. Radabaugh. Thanks. Yeah. I've known Connor for a year now, and I cannot pronounce his last name to save my life. No one can. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So Connor, um, I feel like you know probably the most about indie horror and just horror in general. So I'm going to throw out the first question to you, which is, um, how exactly do you define an indie horror film? Um, there's, or I guess, indie in general. Indie in general. Well, there's going to be kind of two classifications here. The first one is very technical, and that's just any film produced by a lesser studio, which doesn't receive like a wide release at its initial launch. Um, movies like this will typically just do film uh, festivals and go around that circuit. And then if they become popular enough, they might be picked up by a larger studio to be distributed. And then the second category is more of a, a style choice. Okay. Like a major film studio can still produce something that very much feels indie because of the way it's produced and the director and everything. Like, um, God, what's his name? He made uh, Royal Tenenbaums, um, Fantastic Mr. Fox, Wes Anderson. Wes Anderson, yeah. yep. Um, he could very much well now be considered mainstream just because of how popular he is and how widely distributed his, his but, films tend to be. But like as a style, it would be considered indie because indie. it's not something. Okay. It, yeah. So basically what you're saying is the two styles of indie are either you're mainstream or you're not, mm-hmm. or you're from a smaller company or you're not. Yep. Okay. Do you have anything to add to that? Um, I absolutely agree. I totally feel like um, indie is almost kind of defined as an art form less so than what type of production company you are um just because i feel like um like you can feel when a film is indie like you can watch it and you can be like this is art this isn't just a money grab you know and that's what makes it almost independent this right. ain't no goddamn avengers yeah yeah <laughs> okay <laughs> just i love having stabs at any marvel movies because Okay, uh, so the next question um, kind of goes into what we were just talking about. So what are the, like the pros and cons versus doing an indie film versus the big budget uh, blockbuster ho- like horror film? Um, I feel like when you're doing a big budget horror film, you're almost constrained to what you can do. Because if you're trying to make something that people are going to pay to go see, um, people aren't necessarily going to see horror films for art. I mean... Okay, it's... it's- I just w- jump scares. Yeah, and, I mean, I work yeah. in a movie theater. You hear people coming out of things like The Witch. Or you hear people coming out of things like It Follows and just being like, what a load of shit. Uh, people would come out and I'd say, what did you think of the movie? And they'd say, I can't believe that I wasted $10 on this. And I didn't really know how to respond to that because I had seen the film and I adored every yeah. second of it. It was one of my favorite movies of all time, not even just of last year. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, Connor, I'll let you go next before I kind of bring up... Um. Fuck, what was the question again? I'm sorry. Uh, the, the, <laughs> the kind of pros and cons uh, of doing an indie film versus you know just the big budget blockbuster um, horror film. I think really the biggest pro and con to it is going to be, like you said, the budget. 
I think that horror works very well on a lower budget for most movies. Now, there obviously are exceptions, ones that might be super CGI heavy or if they, oh, God, if they make me cream my pants and do uh, actual practical effects. Mm. But most of the time for horror, it works better to do less and let the viewer's imagination work in. And that's mainly because they just didn't have the money to do it. Yeah, I mean, The Blair Witch Project is a prime example of indie horror yep. film where basically... It's not even what you see. It's what you think is happening in the background or here. And uh, yeah, so kind of going on what you're talking about, Drew, you said like blockbuster horror films have the limitations of just like being artistic. Where I feel like on the opposite end, the con of doing an indie film is that the budget would have a much smaller, you know, that that's also limitations. You can't do as many things as you want to do. You know, I would actually argue that that would be another pro for pro? because it's almost like a it's like a working with a more difficult medium in art, you know. It's like ma- it's like making art with pen, you know. If you're making an art with like, um, with like painting or with fucking like pencils and shit, you can you can erase, you can uh, paint over. But if you're doing something in pen, it's like definite, it's defined. And if you're doing something in indie horror, you don't have the budget, so you know you have the constraint. You can't use like effects to make it scary you can't use uh practical things to make it scary you just have to come up with something that's legitimately scary and present it in a in artist in an artistic way all right that's awesome okay so going into the next question here um i feel like we kind of just answered it but would you say you prefer an indie or a blockbuster horror film um you can give some just like some examples of maybe even a blockbuster horror film you like versus you know indie horror film you like um i'll let connor go first um, I think a very good example for this is the comparison between uh, the Blair Witch Project and the Blair Witch, because mm. the Blair Witch Project is very much a indie horror film, while the Blair Witch, the new one, is just a monster of a big budget horror flick. And my preference towards them really depends on what I'm going for at the time. Um, if you want more of like that thrill ride of like jump scares and like actual like you, you know get your adrenaline pumping, big budget all the way. Yeah, because that's the only way you're going to get it. Most indie flicks simply work on this sense of creepiness and like lower terror, which is, in my opinion, kind of a better way to do it because it works more in like the lasting sense. Yeah. But again, it's what you want at the time. I guess if I had to do a definitive preference, it would probably be indie. But that's just because I'm also a little bitch in the theater <laughs> and I don't want the person next to me seeing that I'm crying. Fair enough. <laughs> that's that's fair. Yeah, I would definitely say... I, I enjoy horror films like across the board, whether it's indie or blockbuster, just depending on the quality of the film, obviously. But I think like when I watch a blockbuster horror film, like, you know, if I go to it at like a midnight showing, I'm kind of scared for the rest of the night. Or if I see an indie, it's kind of just un- unsettling for me for like the rest of like the week, you know? Like when I saw It Falls, for example, kind of made me unsettled just to like go outside and take out garbage because it's like kind of creepy to go outside at night to do it after a movie like that. Where if I saw something with just a bunch of jump scares, it's like in my mind for like the rest of the night. And then I just kind of get over it the next day. That's absolutely the most important thing to me. The most important distinction, I think, is the is the way that it affects you long term. If you watch, I went to go see Ouija 2, which you were there with me when I saw it. Yeah. I loved Ouija 2. But it yeah. is a blockbuster, blockbuster horror yeah. film. And it's, it's, in every sense of the word, it is by Blumhouse. It's, it's jump scares. <laughs> it's uh, And it's um cgi effects and that's i mean it was frightening yeah but it's not something that i think about you know it's not something that i'm like it's not 
when I walked out of the theater, I wasn't thinking, fuck, something's following me, you know? Yeah, but I mean, it, it had like a lasting effect in a way because it's pretty damn good. I mean, that. I mean, I, I will tell people like, hey, you should go see Ouija 2 because I liked it. It's one of the better um, blockbuster horror films that I've seen this year, but it's not something that I think of as like a super good movie. You so what you're saying is you kind of consider that blockbuster horror films like kind of a good blockbuster horror film isn't really considered to be like a good film. Yeah, I mean like it is. Basis. I'd say it's like it's a good ride. It's like yeah, I mean it's a it's like getting on a roller coaster. Like I don't think about roller coasters that I've been on and be like fuck. I want to like think about that for a minute. You know, I <laughs> I get on the roller coaster and I ride it and then it's over and I'm like dope. That was worth however long I was on it, you know? Okay. Well, what would you consider, like, mainstream, normal movies, like a drama or something? What would you compare that to if a horror film's a roller coaster? Well, I mean, and that's that's still something that I can think about. Like, after the movie's over, I can still think about those, like... Um, so, like, an aquarium or... <laughs> what, would, what would you consider that to be, then? <laughs> uh, um, sure, like okay. a like an aquarium. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so I think we're going to jump into our first break here. Um, we'll come back. Hey, Elise. Hey, Ted. Want to hang out and read Wikipedia articles like people all the time do? Only if we make it into a podcast. Damn it, you, I, you caught me. I was going to trick you and maybe a podcast with me. Is that why you brought all this recording equipment? Yes, it is. Listen to WikiQuest every Tuesday on Lightsage Podcast Network for more goofs and gaffes like this. I'm Ted Hubish. And I'm Elise Giannatasio. We're the Wiki Twins. WikiQuestShow.org. And welcome back to the booth. I'm your host, Xavier. There's Connor and there's Drew. And Drew, you wanted to kind of clear up your roller coaster indie horror film analogy yeah. there. So I'll let you let you have the floor here. Um, I wanted to, in furthering that analogy, it's like... Um, Seeing a blockbuster horror film is kind of like a roller coaster in that it's something that I would want to do to get away for, like, a bit. Like, I'd go to a, a theme park to get away for a day, you know? It's like a vacation. Okay. But uh, I think of, like, art movies, like dramas or, like, indie horror as, like, an aquarium in that I would want an aquarium in, in my in home. home. Yeah, yeah okay. I'd want to see that every day. I'd want to experience it all the time, you know? Yeah. It has a lasting effect. It's artistic. It's something yeah. that I can think about and enjoy all the time. All right. Good. Cleared that up. I'm yeah. sure everyone who's confused yeah. now. <laughs> I didn't want everyone, everyone to think that I was leave. a freak about aquariums <laughs> or something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. Awesome. So uh, so now um, kind of going to lead within a just, uh, description, um, kind of leading into the next question. So uh, for anyone who hasn't seen The Blair Edge Project, it kind of it came out in 1999. It kind of spawned found footage horror because it was an indie film, and basically it's just three college students in the woods filming a horror movie with a camera, you know? Um, it spawned a, two sequels, one that just came out, The Blair Witch, um, and then Blair Witch 2, which we don't really talk about. Um, and, you know, it started found footage horror. And why do you guys think that... Because even big-budget Hollywood horror movies do found footage. You know, why would you guys... Why do you guys think, basically, that they did that? It's cheap. Um, okay. yeah, I mean, it is cheap. And also when you're working on a budget like that and you want to make something like that, um, like I said before about the constraints, uh, precipitating art, um, you can use that to great effect. 
Okay. I, I don't think that that's done anymore because I think that found footage is so played out that yeah. it's it's not not to say found footage was super huge leading up to 2000, but the fact that it came out in 1999 and we're still kind of doing it, you know. Yeah. I, I don't think anyone looks forward to those kinds of films anymore. Yeah. I mean, maybe when like Paranormal Activity had come out and it was like still a huge thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Okay. So basically just because it's cheap is what you're saying. Well, there's... Okay, so the history of it... Um, first, we had Cannibal Holocaust back in like the 50s. And then we jump forward to the Blair Witch Project in 1999, like, which shows like that, okay, you can actually do like a found footage style horror flick and it can actually be very successful. But then for the most part, people just kind of ignored it for a long time. And I think yeah. that's mainly due in part to the failure of the sequel. Yeah. Um, I mean, 2000s were also like the big year for Japanese horror movie remakes. Yep. To be clear, the but, failure of which sequel? Uh, oh, Blair, Blair Witch, Witch Book of Shadows. Yeah. Oh, okay. It was not good. All right. It's the only way I can describe it. Um, and then we jump forward to, I think, about 2008 when Cloverfield came out. And mm. I would point Cloverfield as the movie that actually, like, thrusted this genre into the mainstream and actually made people really interested in it thanks jj abrams thank you jj abrams <laughs> fuck you <laughs> yeah and like yeah they're so popular because the studio can make them out dime a dozen they're incredibly cheap to make um because you don't really need that great of equipment and you can always play off of what the blair witch did with like you don't show the monster or it's always very shaky so you don't have to spend a whole lot on CGI or special which, effects. Which is pretty much what Paramount Activity really capitalized on. Because yep. at no point in that movie do you actually see anything that scary. It's mostly just like doors moving and oh, footprints that were just kind of there, yeah, I guess. Blankets falling off of beds. Yeah. Mm. Which is, I mean, in the beginning, if that's what you're going for, if I've never seen that before in a film, grade A. Like, yeah. super yep. good. But 10 years later... In every fucking film that I watch, I don't yeah. need that anymore. You know? Yeah. If you watch Blair Witch Project now, kind of doesn't hold up as well because back then it was kind of a new new thing, I feel like, doing the found footage and, you know, they had like missing posters for the kids as like the advertisement mm. and it was like really scary going to it because it's like, holy shit, this is like people, I'm sure there was like plenty of people who were like, but what if it's real, you know? And mm. it's like, sure. I definitely thought that when I was uh, first getting into movies, um, I got into movies when I was in high school and I started watching a, a bunch of horror movies all at the same time. And then after I had consumed a bunch of them, I thought, oh, I should start getting back into classics. And I watched Blair Witch Project and I remember watching it and thinking, why is this a classic horror film? Mm. Because I had seen it already and it didn't feel like something that was new and exciting and and uh, yeah. and genre defining. It was just. Yeah. But at the time it was. I'm sure. Game changing, yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. Okay. So I think anyone have anything else to add there? I think we're done with that. Uh, I just want to make one note. Blair Witch Project uh, 3, I guess if we'll technically call it the newest one. Just The Blair Witch. The Blair Witch. I will argue that it is a pretty decent horror flick, but it's just a bad Blair Witch movie. Yeah. from Which is the only person I've heard say that is you, so, <laughs> which is fair. So what you're saying is if it had just stayed with The Woods, it probably would have done much better. Yes. And I feel like it would have too because people eat up like like what the shallows and the gallows like people go see that even though they're not good oh, like the God, one-off the titles like that yeah. people go ape shit when it comes to horror movies i don't know why but unfriended yeah like, it's just, those are just bad but yeah people love it okay um so kind of jumping in we're just going to kind of do general things now so uh what would you guys say is your favorite indie horror film favorite ever 
has to be it for the Blues. It falls, yeah. Yep. Okay, well, we're going to actually talk about that at the end of the episode. Yeah, so, so I'll save that. Yeah, yeah, I'll yeah, save yeah. it. Uh, Connor, what is your favorite indie horror film? Uh, the Blair Witch. The Blair Witch. Um, the Blair Witch Project? The Blair Witch Project. Yeah. <laughs> you see, that's another reason it shouldn't have been a Blair Witch movie, because fuck that movie, because now I can't abbreviate the Blair Witch. I have to say the Blair Witch you Project say every time. You I'm not fucking saying I love, I love so now, when the uh, when you're talking about the Blair Witch, the one that just came out, was that originally titled something else? And yeah, they... it was uh, it was the Woods, and then I believe at Comic Con they were like, "Hey, it's actually a secret Blair Witch movie, right?" Yeah, which was a stupid decision because it yeah. was still like two months away from coming out. So, so it was just a stupid ass marketing thing. Yeah, oh yeah, everyone that was didn't like, "Work." I mean, I still get people coming up and they're like, "Oh, when's the Woods coming out?" And I'm like, "Already came out. It was the Blair Witch, you yeah. know." And it's just stupid, but... I think um, that's a shame. Okay, so every genre of any movie has its faults. So what is a bad indie horror film? <laughs> uh, well... I I'm mean, going to be like, the Blair Witch Project. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I was going to say, um, there were there have been a couple that I've seen. Um, there was one called Goodnight Mommy, okay. which I which, feel like was is, a little it's bit... It's a German indie horror film, I believe? It was, yeah. Yep. Okay. Um, I felt like that was um, a little bit of a blunder in that um, I think that India is good for creating art, but also you can get a step too far in that direction and you can just uh, step into like hyper pretension and undiscernible, indiscernible it's, like. Yeah, it's like the, the John Green of horror films. Yeah. <laughs> which is really pretentious. Exactly. I mean, I'm sure some people will like that. But yeah. Not everyone. And, mm -hmm. you know. I feel that. Yeah. Okay. Connor, what is a bad indie horror film in your mind? Um, if any of you out there have a Hulu subscription, all like 12 of you, um, <laughs> there's a movie on there called Spirit in the Woods. It is a blatant ripoff of The Blair Witch. It doesn't even try and hide it. And it is it makes every mistake it possibly can. We spend about 95% of the movie just walking around with this group of, I think it's about five, just unlikable fuckers. And then at the very end, it's nighttime and they decide, okay, we got to actually do something scary for one. So they try and like ramp up all this horror. People start dying. And at the end, it's revealed like, oh, the one chick in the group was, she either like is killing everyone or she's possessed by the spirit. Don't give a shit. It was terrible. Mm. Fair you know, enough. That's something that I've never understood about horror movies when you're making a horror movie and you make your cast of characters unlikable yeah i was about to ask that i was about to throw in one more question do you think because in like a slasher horror film for example you want your characters to be kind of unlikable because odds are they're all gonna get killed you know and if you're really liking every character watching them die is gonna be kind of not fun i guess i think that that just makes it better i think that that makes me more oh. invested in the film like Cabin in the Woods, arguably not a slasher or a horror movie even. It's kind of like a parody of yeah, horror, almost. which is what's great about but that movie. But I loved all of those characters, and I still loved watching them get fucked up, you know? <laughs> like, sure. I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe that's just me, but, like, watching a movie like Unfriended, it was oh, absolute, yeah. it was a trash fire. Yeah, but I hated I every least, one of those people. <laughs> I at least might have liked it a little bit more if I didn't hate every single second of every second that somebody was talking. Yeah, which is, that whole movie is just people talking. Yeah, and I, at people. Uh, I absolutely hate uh, it. I'll just throw it to you, Connor, um, and then I think we're going to take one more quick break, but what do you think? Um, I'll agree with Drew partly. I think 
with a good horror flick, you need a diverse cast of likability. Like, you need some people who you're going to like a lot. You're going to need some people who you like. It's kind of like, eh. And then you're going to have just, like, maybe one or two characters who you actually do hate. Because then seeing them get offed and killed will res- will kind of generate different responses in you. Like, that one guy hates, like, oh, fuck, yeah, this felt good to watch him <laughs> finally get his own. And it's usually near the end. Yeah, because he's always a scumbag who, yep. like, lets other people die before him, you know? And that's just such a wonderful payoff. And then, like, all the other ones, it'd be does create more of an endearing attachment to them you get more thrill and like terror out of watching them do these things because you see yourself in that character and you yourself are trying to survive in this situation i think that i have to disagree because i feel like if you have somebody in that you hate in a horror movie it almost cheapens it when they die because i feel like watching them die i'm just like well i didn't need to see this like i already hated them you know like I just think it's kind of fun. Like when Jason gets that one guy who's a douchebag the whole time, that's like the one rewarding kill in the movie. Oh, I'll kind of have to agree with Connor because it's just, it's, it's, it's not fun watching people die all the time. It's kind of supposed to be suspenseful. But when you have that one character, you're like, God, I would, you know, you meet that one person, you're like, God, just if you got killed, it would be fine. I, I, I don't know. (laughs) Maybe not that, but yeah. Yeah. Just like, you have that douchebag in the movie and like they finally get killed and it's kind of a payoff because you've been waiting for, because you know everyone's probably going to die. But that one kill that you're just waiting for and they're kind of teasing it the whole movie, you know? Mm-hmm. Kind of like the fat military dude in Jurassic World. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, his death is a fucking payoff. He's yeah. an asshole throughout yeah. the entire thing. Yeah. And I feel, well, I feel like that's fine in, in movies that aren't horror movies. But in horror movies, I feel like I want to relate to the characters because the more that I can relate to the characters, the more invested in the film I am. I mean, you that's... can still relate to the asshole. You just hate <laughs> Maybe him. Maybe you can. Yeah. I'm not an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I think with that, we're going to take one more quick break. Come back, please. When you're feeling incomplete and feeding your parakeet, what do you do? Listen to The Beat. The Beat is a once-a-month podcast that incorporates storytelling with hot new tunes. Hosted by... Mo Ivory Bones Herbert and Nicole Captain of Rats Gabriel. So join us every second Thursday. Stay, Stay radical. Hello everyone, welcome back to the booth. Again, I am Xavier, there's Connor and there's Drew. Say hi guys. Hey. Uh good night. Okay. Cool. Uh so we're gonna finish this episode off by doing what we do every episode, which is we're gonna talk about a specific film that fits within what we're talking about. Uh and we chose It Follows. Um Obviously, Drew's favorite movie, Connor. Uh, well, here, well, before let's, Drew, do you want to do a quick plot summary because you adore this? Yep, film, I you? absolutely do. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you guys remember, uh, but for about a year after it came out, I told everyone who would listen that it was a genre-defining film. Yep, and genre? we all made fun of you yep. for it. <laughs> yep. You know, Force Awakens, that genre-defining Star Wars. <laughs> stuff? Yeah, that one. Yeah, so yeah, um, it follows genre defining horror. So film. basically, what happens is uh, there is a girl who um, is going out with this guy in this Chicago suburb, and Tri- uh, sorry, Detroit, 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 Detroit suburb. Detroit. Excuse me. They um, really reference Eight Mile. Yeah, they do. <laughs> um, but uh, she's going out with this guy, and they go see a movie, and he starts acting kind of weird. Um, but she kind of dismisses it. They end up going off uh, to an abandoned hospital, and they have sex. Okay. And then, immediately afterwards, he drugs her, and he takes her up to the third or fourth floor of the hospital. Yeah. 
uh, ties her to a wheelchair, and then leaves her in the middle of this uh, abandoned hospital floor. And he's pacing around and looking around, um, and he sees something coming, and he explains to her that he has passed on to her something that is, in effect, an STD, wherein uh, you sleep with people, and then once you've slept with them, this creature will follow them, and uh, it will try its best to kill them. And it doesn't run... It doesn't uh, hide or jump out or scare you. It just follows you. Yep, and it can look like anyone, anyone it wants. that it wants to look like, and it can uh... remember that because I'm gonna be talking about that <laughs> later on. <laughs> uh, it can look like anyone um, just to fuck with you, and also um, it is uh, slow, but it's not stupid. Yeah, and it's so very smart. Yeah, in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, so he shows her the monster and then runs away. He doesn't leave her to die or anything. He brings her back to her house yeah, and dumps her. When the person dies, it goes back to the previous person it had. Yep. So she dies, it goes to him. He dies, it goes to the person who gave it to him and so on. So exactly. Um, like how STDs were. To be clear, um, when I said he dumps her, they do not break up. He yeah. just dumps her I out mean, of his car. It was kind of implied, <laughs> it was kind of implied after they were breaking he drugged up her. Yep. after he drugged her. Yeah. Um, so he drops her off outside of the house, and then uh, she kind of camps out in her room for the next couple of days. It eventually finds her, uh, and her and all her friends run away, and uh, it chases them all over. Yeah, uh, and in case you haven't seen it, I mean, we're going to be talking about spoilers, but yeah, so the rest of the film is just about this creature following her and her friends and them trying to survive and not obviously get her killed mm-hmm. so yeah uh let's jump into it and if you haven't seen it falls go watch it and come back i guess because we're going to be talking about very heavily spoilers obviously um so drew because <laughs> i feel like you have the most to say so we'll kind of <laughs> take turns here i'll let you go first uh what are some plus sides like what are some good things about this film what works in this film well what doesn't work in this film uh i think that one of the most important parts of the film is the soundtrack oh yes Um, the soundtrack is by i want to say disaster piece yep and uh it is absolutely incredible it's kind of got an 80s feel sort of like the exorcist yeah um and it's definitely unsettling um which, which I, fits with the rest of the film to a right, key honestly absolutely and it's not your uh stereotypical like high strings sustained you yeah. know and it's not uh predictable at all it's absolutely beautiful and i think that it almost if i didn't like all the other parts of the movie so much i would say it makes the movie oh yeah mm-hmm. okay so connor uh what some pros to this film that you feel um cuz I'm assuming you like it follows. I do. I do like it. Uh, One really great thing I will give it credit for is um, the directing and how it's able to take this creature, which can look like anything and move it in and out of scenes in almost ways that make you think like, okay, is that it? And then later on, it'll either just like leave you with that question of, was that the thing? Or it'll like answer that for you. And if you just have like this sudden feeling of terror, um, she goes back to it just being unsettling of yeah. like you don't know really like when they're all sitting on the beach and then in the background you can see her friends walking down um walking down kind of the hillside towards them and they're just talking whatever and then as they kind of go back and forth back and forth on this and she just keeps getting closer and closer then you see the actual friend is like in the wade water in on the water yeah. into shot and it's like holy shit yeah. <laughs> yeah. and i think that's like 
one of the best things about the movie as well because um, there are shots like in the second to last scene of the movie um, where there are two people laying on a couch and there's a window behind them and it's raining and it's a backyard and there's a fence and the entire scene, they're just talking and the entire scene, you're just waiting for it to come over the fence or come into yeah. the yard <laughs> or, and it never happens, but, it's, but the it, feeling is always there. Yeah. And that's what makes it great. And one of the things I love about the f- film is it touches on my, f- one of my favorite horror like genres, which is like, ah, oh, shit, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, it's not psychology. It's like psychology. Psychological. Oh, psychological. <laughs> that's embarrassing. Uh, psychological because it just fucks with your mind like the entire time. And that's what I love about it is it's so unsettling sitting through this movie and like not knowing when the monster's there, not knowing like who's like safe and this and that. And it's fucking great because of that. And I feel like that's one of the the biggest things that divide um, the indie movies that I like and the the bigger budget horror movies that we've seen is that at no point in any blockbuster horror that I've seen recently have I been like, I don't know what's going to happen next. Because yeah. you always do. It's going to be a jump scare. There's going to be somebody with their mouth super open wide. There'll be somebody crawling on a wall. <laughs> is, that, is that the new horror? Like, yeah, thing? I mean. It's, staple. it's yeah. just like mouth super yeah. stretched Yeah, open. and you've seen them in like every single movie. And you always know what's going to come next. I mean, yeah, in the shallows, I guess the shark had a huge yeah. open, <laughs> open gape. In but mouth, less but... is more. The less you see the monster. Yeah. The more, more frightening yeah. it is. Yeah, it's very true. Also, I really appreciate how the opening of it falls is probably one of the most cliche things, and I find it beautiful. Yep. Because it's just a woman running in high heels and skimpy underwear, like running from a monster that you don't see, and everyone's like, oh, are you okay? And she's like, yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. And then that's just like, that's the whole opening, and I'm like, oh, it's great how kind of cliche that is, and that's what makes it really fun. Yeah. Uh, do you have anything uh, to add before we jump into the cons? Okay, well, I was just going to add a con, so this doesn't okay. just so, yeah. become a circle jerk. I mean, yeah. we could add more more pros if we want it. <laughs> I mean, we could talk about pros all day. So what, uh, what's something you find a problem when it comes to it follows? Okay, remember that one part when she's, like, driving away from her house, and then, like, it's, like, on the roof, and it's, like, a naked yeah. man? Um, I think that's really fucking stupid. Yeah. <laughs> I. But now, like, I have r- rationale. Like, okay, first question is just going to be, like, okay, how did it get up there? Uh, this thing always seems to want to take like the path of least resistance towards it in like almost a straight line. So what benefit would it have going up on the house? And also, I think it would have been much, much creepier if like she had seen it in her bedroom window, like shown like it was there and like yeah. it's that close to her. Then that was that's probably my biggest con of the movie is that it's it's intelligent and its whole thing is it walks straight for you and it never, never quits, you know, going for you. But it makes decisions that I'm like, why would it make decisions other than just to be kind of unsettling? Which I know, Drew, you're going to have an argument. For yeah, it. I do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's just it's unsettling, which is good for a horror movie. I get that. But in like the whole it's smart and it's going to follow you. It's like there's no reason to be making these logical decisions other than just to be unsettling, which works for a horror movie. Doesn't work for like the logic in a horror movie. Uh, Drew, what? Either a con, if you can possibly find one, which I don't think you can, <laughs> or if you have an argument against what me and Connor are throwing out there against this movie. Um, I sh- I do have an argument for that, but I I don't know. I can think of a con that's barely a con. Okay. It ends? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's when it ends. Yeah. yeah, that's one. Um, the other one is I didn't really like 
that the last one of the last couple scenes when they lure it into the swimming pool devolves into a fight between them and the monster. Yeah. I don't like that there ever is that confrontation because I think that the film works so well when it is distant and when it is like an ever present thing and it's always like you're waiting for it to come for them. Here, here's a pro though. Is how funny is it when he accidentally shoots her in the leg and she just goes down? I, first time I saw it, I was like, holy shit. The second time I was like, that's just funny. Kind oh, of. and one other con that I can think of. Ooh. Yeah. Two whole cons. It's when that fucking girl eats the sandwich oh, yeah. in that hospital room. <laughs> because there's a scene where a girl gets hurt and she ends up in a hospital and she's eating like a tuna sandwich and they have her mic so yeah, high, you just hear, and you just hear her like, "Yeah, I, I hear that. I hate when movies horrendous. do that." Um, but yeah. So, uh, what's your argument? As, okay, so um, they say in the beginning of the movie that the monster is smart; it's not stupid. Yeah. Um, and I think that one of the things that you mentioned is true. It is super unsettling to have a naked man, yeah. who's super disproportionate, standing and like on top even of a roof. even the scene mm-hmm. where it's the girl and there she's in the house and she's like with like one boob out and she's like peeing herself it's like super unsettling yeah don't know how that works for like a smart tactic like maybe someone will slip on it or something <laughs> like they're running away but like i don't see how that's helpful as a strategy um so uh as far as getting on the roof it can get on the roof the neighbor kids got on the roof um and as far as why it would get on the roof um it isn't stupid maybe it recognizes that there are now six kids in the house that know that it exists and it knows that this is not the moment to try to go into the house. So it's waiting to see where they go next. Maybe, but does this thing pick moments? I mean, because it seemed fully willing to go after the first guy when they were in, in the middle of a crowded movie theater. But also, the first guy is the only person who knows about the monster in that movie theater. That's true. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it's smart, but. Here's the other thing I have a problem is that it, we don't really get a motive for why it's doing it. And it, it's one thing to say, oh, it's just trying to, like, kill and cause mayhem. But it really isn't because even in that scene where he's in the theater, he, like, points her out. But it never shows him actually just – or like they, I think they leave the theater right away, right? They do, yeah. 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 And it, But, like, she, he points him out, and then if you kind of count it out, it could probably make its way to him within the time they'd be leaving. And even if they left, it just seems like it's not trying to really kill them as much as just kind of frighten them. But then we don't really have a motive for why he's doing, like the monster is doing what it's doing, I guess. I don't know. I don't think I can think of any scenes wherein it's not actively working on killing them, except for the scene where it's maybe standing on the house. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Well, even the scene where, okay, so going back to you said the whole scene where she's, the friend's walking up, but she's actually in the water, and that's obviously means the monster. Mm -hmm. Um, He, the monster itself doesn't try to kill her. What she does, what he does is, Picks, like grabs her hair and like pulls it up and then like that's kind of it like she could have killed her easily but it doesn't it kills people by having sex with them and does it yeah i guess yeah it does i like mean that's the a, only that was dry moment yeah the only recorded moment that it kills somebody is when it, no, yeah. no 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 well okay the very first scene yeah she's dead but she has two broken legs but, I mean, that can just, like, we don't know really how she broke sex. that. Yeah, like, yeah <laughs> just really violent sex. That's, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I always thought that it was, like... Okay, I mean, that's the, the thought process. I could see that, definitely. Yeah, it was, okay. like, 
turning her around or getting her up so it could i don't know that's very unsettling now that i think about it actually <laughs> yeah. but okay honestly i think just, it would have been a better plan to just like grab her head and face fuck her right there well yeah. <laughs> i don't know that that would kill her it might just maim her <laughs> i oh know i'm not God. a monster it's no longer a family friendly podcast yeah. <laughs> okay um does anyone else have anything to add about it follows uh, um i thought the acting was all around pretty darn solid definitely um, especially amongst the main crew if we do want to add just a little con i think it is kind of a shame that in a movie so much about sex that there's like no nudity in this <laughs> i mean besides like the monster but like you're supposed to be scared of that yeah sure um yeah i could see that <laughs> um <laughs> uh i just wanted to add that my absolute favorite part of the movie the one that i just can't shut up about um is that there is no there's so many things that are off-putting about the film kind of like the way um off-putting St- yeah like stanley kubrick in uh the shining he did that right yep yep <laughs> when he like has uh Connor's our fact checker for the day yeah he's got uh he's got jack nicholson reading a gay porn magazine in the first scene of the movie uh when he's waiting in the waiting room and it's something that maybe you noticed and maybe you didn't. Uh, but I'm it, sorry. Are you trying to say gay porn is unsettling, Drew? <laughs> it was unsettling that he was reading a gay, gay porn magazine in the waiting room yeah. outside of an interview. That's true. Yeah. Um, and it's like um, all of the scenes in uh, It Follows, there are little things like that. Like the parents are almost never around. The kids are almost never in school. Their seasons change very rapidly. Um, there are people with technology that they maybe should or shouldn't have all of their tv that they watch is black and white all of their furniture is from like the 60s to the 90s the dude one chick has a uh a, a cell, phone cell phone seashell yeah, thing it's weird guys yep. you just don't get it it's set in modern times but they're just fucking hipsters they're too cool for you <laughs> watching like everyone old watching 50s movies yeah and uh old shitty couches <laughs> i felt like the uh the whole purpose of it was to give it kind of a dreamlike state because whenever you describe dreams to somebody it's like you say things and you're like that doesn't make sense you know yeah and the whole film was like does it make sense watching a dream it's like <laughs> it's like there are just little things that are out of place or things that make you stop and pause for a second and think should that be there when is this where are we um just things that kind of keep you off balance throughout the whole film okay uh, okay, and then one final question, just to to end this all, uh, which is a huge spoiler for the movie because this is the ending of the movie. So the final scene has the main character and uh, kind of her love interest uh, walking on a sidewalk, holding hands, uh, and you see something, uh, a person walking behind them. Do you believe that is the uh, creature? Because in the movie, they shot the creature with a gun, which whatever. <laughs> uh, we won't go into that, but um, so yeah. Do you guys think that is the creature or is it just, again, trying to make you unsettled because who knows? That is the most important thing. I could have asked. Yeah. <laughs> well, we should have just talked like, about that question. Um, it's like that's what makes the ending so great is that you don't know. It's like the ending of The Lobster when you don't know if he's going to cut out his own eyes or not. Spoiler for The Lobster Spoiler as well. for The Lobster. Um, I have much well. more. I've not seen the lobster. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Connor. What do you think? No, because there wasn't a scary music cue at the end to let me know <laughs> that that was a monster. 
Also, they ki- they killed the monster. They shot it in the pool. Yeah. I mean, everything's setting up for me to be right here. I yeah. I feel like the whole the whole thing at the end of the movie is you don't know whether or not it's dead, and that's why. Uh, you know, they're just ripping off Inception. <laughs> I guess. Yep. That's probably it, yeah. Yep, it's a huge rip off of Inception, the whole thing. <laughs> okay, uh, so that'll, that'll be the end of it. Thanks for joining us today. Do we want um, to do some kind of movie recommendations at the end? Uh, go see Arrival. It's, like, really fucking good. Oh, I just meant indie horror. Okay. Uh, sure, Drew. What indie horror would you suggest? I mean, we could. I mean, I think that people should check out if they've got the time. Uh, Grave Encounters. You could see The Strangers. They could see uh, The Witch was absolutely stellar. It follows is fantastic. Um. Okay, so that's four movies for you, sure. Connor. What are some indie horror films you would I mean, you would suggest people go out there and watch? I mean, you just stole a lot of the ones I would say. Um, Shrooms is pretty good. It's an Irish indie horror flick. Shrooms. Yeah, it's yeah, about I've mushrooms. It. It's pretty dope. It's okay. um, really? Yeah, no, it's actually good. <laughs> oh. yeah. uh, another one. God, I can't remember the exact name of it. I think it's like Seven Tapes. Lost tapes. Uh, it's about some uh, people. VHS. No, <laughs> it's about people like doing renovations in a psych hospital. Oh, it's called Session Nine. Session Nine. Yeah, I believe. Uh, the Porgaski tapes are also Perkipsy pretty. Porgaski. I don't speak whatever <laughs> fucked up name that is. Fair enough. Those tapes. Uh, that's a pretty decent one. Not great, but it's a fun watch. Yeah, that's just kind of what I'd throw out there. Perfect. All right, so now we're going to go into the ending of the episode. Um, thanks for joining us. Join us next time. We're going to be talking about a kind of sensitive issue, which is the Star Wars prequels. Uh, watch episode one. We're going to be talking about that one at the end of that episode. And thanks for joining us. <laughs>